You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. What up, Blasco? How's everything in your world? We're hopping here on a on a big bad Monday, recording the day that this should go out, and uh, yeah, just feeling stoked. Got my Ice Nine Kills first week numbers in, and uh, looking looking like things are even better than expected. I would be uh, doing jumping jacks and <laughs> and just I would be ecstatic, man. I was super stoked to whenever you sent me those numbers and uh, that's some uh, that's some badass shit. Also, too, I thought since I have people's attention right now, as opposed to at the end of the episode, uh, Mike and I have been talking about potentially recording at a place to where we can take callers and have a more interactive podcast so we might try that out in november and december so if that seems like something that you guys would be into um what we would do is we would do the podcast would be live and then we would have be able to have the opportunity to take call-ins and guests and stuff of that nature because it's an actual studio and then what we would do is we would then edit the episode and we would have a normal episode that would you know be evergreen on the on the interwebs or whatever. But if people like that idea of doing a live episodes and having the ability for you guys to call in and uh, please email us um, and or you know tweet at us or whatever and let us know if that's uh, seems like a good idea. So hell yeah. yeah, Blasco's email for that is askblasco at gmail.com and hit him up on Twitter or Instagram at Blasco1313. And you guys know you can reach me at Mike Olu. Yep. So cool. In the last episode uh, we took some questions from you, our loyal listeners, as well. So that was a really great episode, so check it out if you haven't already. Today's episode is sponsored by our buddies at rockabilia.com. Go check them out for the awesomest collection of officially licensed band merch on the planet. Use our code PCJabberJaw and get 15% off your entire order. Hell yeah, those guys are running into the Halloween season like no tomorrow. You've still got a couple weeks left, so head on over there and get all of your holiday wants and wishes for the biggest, baddest time of the season. Rockabilia.com, tell them Blasco and Mike sent you, and use code PCJabberJaw for 15% off of your order. Today's episode is also sponsored by the cool kids over at BandZoogle.com where you can build a stunning website for your music in minutes. Try it free for 30 days and be sure to use the promo code MENTAL to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. Oh yeah, Band Websites is where it's at and Bandzoogle, obviously, are the boys. 
and girls that are there to uh, provide that service for you. So head over to Banzoogle, check out all that they have to offer in terms of hosting and helping you develop a website for your band. Use the code MENTAL, 15% off your first year subscription. Uh, This week we talk about digital marketing. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. Oh, yeah. So, Mike, um, I was trolling around the interwebs, and I found this article that I thought might be cool. It was on a site, Musical.ly, Musical.ly, Musical.ly. I am an older dude. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I do know what it is. It's that, you know, it's that uh, web... Uh, app web platform where kids can film you know themselves lip syncing or singing songs or whatever but it's very popular and and uh apparently a lot of people have gotten record deals from the platform etc etc i just don't know how to pronounce it any ideas (laughs) i please i i do not know i like i like watching you or hearing you uh fumble through the various ones i was gonna call it music ally but yeah, that um, seems like that would would that would but be, musically but. musically could be one too. Everybody yeah. out there, why don't you send us the old phonetic uh, pronunciation um, of of whatever you believe it to be? Yeah. However, I thought it was cool because this is not a site that we uh, pull uh, episodes from ever before. So I thought it was kind of cool. Anyway, the article starts off like this: There are three. Pillars for music marketing in 2018. What you do with social media, what you do with digital service providers, and what you do with your own platforms, mailing list, most obviously, and direct to fan sales, be it on your own site or something like Bandcamp. But what are the trends around these three pillars? Number one, shifting responsibilities between managers and labels. You could present this as a power struggle, but it's more about a division of responsibilities, albeit one that sees more of those duties being taken on by managers. From social media posts and advertising to partnerships with streaming services to making sense of the analytics coming from DSPs and social platforms, managers are taking on more of the tasks that used to be sole preserve of the labels. So Mike, as a manager slash label guy, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, you know, the good news for everybody out there listening that is in a developing, you know, <clears throat> artist uh, band and doesn't have a label uh, or might not even have a manager, a lot of these responsibilities are in your hands. And so on our end, yeah, we for years have taken on a heightened role in regards to what a label used to do. Uh, we took on a lot of the burden for that. And, you know, to me, really what I, in the best scenarios, and, and you know, at the top of the show, I talked about having this great first week for Ice Nine Kills. And that's one where, honestly, it we didn't really, I mean, we did divide up, but it was pretty organically who was going to do what who had what relationships who was going to emphasize what parts of the of the you know the rollout and everybody worked in harmony and i think that's one of the testaments to why we had such an amazing you know um 
response on this record. So it is true. There are more and more things that are shifting into the hands of, you know, the managers in this case, but really, like I said, managers are merely an extension of the artist themselves. So for those of you out there with either a young developing manager or no manager at all, there's a lot of the things that you can be doing on your own, which I think is really exciting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, Mike, but for me, I don't really feel that I managed in the era or the genre, um, but most specifically the era where labels did a lot for the bands. Like, and I'm not, I'm not dissing. I'm just saying, like, I, I just think that the era of time that I've been managing bands is it's there's been a lot of responsibility on the bands and managers as well. And I, and and I and I and I say that because it's like there's only so so much resources that can come from a record label the record labels specifically are their their staff of people is focused on the release that is in their face they're not they don't spend 24 7 on the band and um you know they're really geared around towards a specific event in time which is that record release so you know the other 11 months out of the year isn't really their concern for your specific band. Um, so I feel like that the, since I've been in the game, that managers have taken on a pretty significant responsibility. And I've only seen that, I've only seen infrastructure of labels only decrease, right? Like getting rid of art departments, getting, re- getting, getting rid of PR departments, um, getting rid of marketing departments and just you know either hiring them out for a release or whatever right so like i feel like i've always taken on that extra responsibility but now it's increasingly more and more if anything if i had a wish i just in terms of terms of like digital the digital side of things like i wish more bands were fluent in the language of social media and like could could just do more like i don't mind i don't mind doing it um but i just wish that that band, like as we as we progress in into this digital era i wish more bands were taking on the responsibility of really developing an online presence and personality on their social media yeah, I would agree. I mean, it is a little challenging to do, and I think it can be intimidating for a lot of artists. And one of the things that I've seen at the best labels is even if they aren't doing that themselves, meaning developing the band's personality for them, which really would be impossible, they're giving some guidelines and they're helping the band stick to a schedule. Or we as managers do that as well as as you know, you know firsthand. So, I mean, I think the overall bit is, Yes, there's a lot out there to do. I mean, in some senses, it can be very overwhelming. You do need to have a strategic approach to it and understand that no one is going to do it for you. Uh, Really, the bands and their teams have to be the ones leading the charge. And if your label can help you out with that, fantastic. And if not, there's no... You know, no use in, in crying over spilled milk. Just get out there and do the work yourself. Number two... YouTube throwing its weight behind artist marketing. There's the launch of YouTube Music, its on-demand subscription service. And then and there's also YouTube's production of original video with artists. Meanwhile, labels and artists have continued to explore the marketing potential of YouTube with their own content, music videos, 
music videos, but also more. Any thoughts there, Mike? Yeah, I mean, you know, YouTube is, uh, to me, it doesn't seem, uh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched it increase necessarily. I've watched it actually go from, you know, five plus years ago when it was sort of the be all end all. You'd either put up a professionally produced music video, a lyric video or something like that, and you just watch the counts. And that was really the measure that people looked to. Um you know, since Facebook and Google, since they're owned by, you know, separate companies, you know, and their algorithms really started diminishing the YouTube, you know, direct links on Facebook, which really seemed to be the key place for people, you know, for artists to promote their stuff. That number seemed to go down. And now it really seems as if Spotify is, is the, is the, you know, nom du jour that everyone is talking about what your numbers are there. Um, but YouTube and, and video content still play a vital, a vital role in an artist's career. So to me, it's a little bit mixed. What, what about you? The advantage of what YouTube is doing is they have places around the world called YouTube space. And so the, the, Here's, here's the reason why you need to get behind YouTube and a focus should be on video content and building up your subscriber base. Because when your subscriber base reaches th- certain thresholds, then you get X amount of time available to you for free at YouTube space as long as you book it a- enough time in advance. And there's, there's parameters of you know what it is like whenever you have 500,000 followers versus a million followers, et cetera, et cetera. But that is highly advantageous. If you can use a huge production facility for seven days for free, that should be a high level of motivation for you to want to build your subscriber base on YouTube at any cost. Like, Don't let it be something where it's just like, oh, well, we just put out a video whenever we have a budget. No. like, Do something creative. Make a TV show, film behind the scenes, film, you know, tour videos and stuff and put them up on a consistent basis. Understand that content is king and YouTube is very powerful and they actually give you something in return for your hard work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it goes back to the age old saying that I haven't dug out in a while, which is, you know, great content done consistently over time. So if you've got, you know, if YouTube, if you've got the numbers, or even if you don't, as you're building, creating that content and trying to make it as good, if not great as possible, um, that really is a key to, to growth as we've seen. For sure. Number three, labels are bringing advertising in house. We talked in point uh, one about managers taking on some of the digital marketing duties previously performed by labels, but labels are also taking on new responsibilities. For example, bringing their digital advertising and media buying in-house rather than relying on external agencies to handle it for them. Control of the data is a key part of this owning the data and being able to use it for retargeting campaigns rather than having to keep going back to an agency and paying essentially for access to your own artist fans. The tools are available to make this possible for a label and a growing number are ensuring that they have the human skills in-house to make use of them. 
Yeah, this is actually, you know, I, I saw this again on the Ice Nine Kills release that we just did. Um, you know, their label Fearless really did a lot of this stuff that I hadn't seen a label do in quite some time on a release. Um, most of the stuff had been outsourced, I think, when, you know, as it's trans, as the spends on advertising have really shifted from anything print related over to the digital space and really not just digital because the older, you know, the, ads on blogs and the ads, you know, um, I'm trying to think of what the specific name is for those types of ads. That's different than a lot of what's happening now, which is really the, the ads on the social media platforms, as well as, you know, YouTube, um, having those outbound ads. It's, it's a little bit of a, a difference between what, and that's what labels were hiring out for in the most recent of times, or at least as far as my experience, um, has been, what about yours? Yeah, this is encouraging to me because I feel like this is a sign that labels are now starting to pay attention. Digital is starting to be a significant amount of revenue source for the labels, um, and 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 they're putting they're putting money into the process. Yeah, can we get rid of an art department because it's not necessary, and can we just hire that out? Absolutely. But the fact of the matter is, is that. As they get rid of one thing, they're bringing in something else that is going to be significantly useful. And um, I think this is really encouraging, in my personal opinion, to have in-house people that are focused on advertising. Because you got to figure people like, look, you know, to promote a record, it costs money, and to, and and it costs money in advertising and marketing. That all costs money, but you know now. It's like it's all in a digital space. So to have people in-house that are seeing where the money is going, to analyze where spending money gets results versus we're just throwing money out the window for a couple of, you know, click, you know, a couple of clicks or whatever, right? Like it's 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 super positive that we're that they that they're putting money back into this, hiring resources that are in-house, that are in control of the analytics that way whenever it comes time for you to put a record out in the digital age they're like you know what we're going to do x y and z because that worked for these artists and we know that spending money in these places didn't work so like putting money in the right places to get the best results i think this is super positive absolutely uh number four augmented reality offers playful potential for artists a couple of years ago there was a lot of buzz around virtual reality as the next big thing for immersive music content. Yet now there's a sense that it's augmented reality that offers more opportunity for playful creative artist marketing on platforms that count uh, their users in the hundreds of millions. Artists and labels are exploring how uh, augmented reality can engage fans and drive sales and streams in the process. I can't say that I really have much experience with augmented reality. I do know, you know, I've spent a little bit of time with the VR space and I'm really excited about that. And I understand the concept of augmented reality and hope that it is something that, you know, the artists that I work with, uh, we do more of in the future. Uh, what about yourself? Hey, look, man, uh, you, you know, at, at, a, at a day when augmented reality drives sales and streams, I'm just concerned about streaming drive driving sales and streams at this point. You know what I mean? Like 
we'll get to virtual reality and we'll get to augmented reality first, but let's get over the hump of people not buying CDs and because they're not going to be available for much longer and get them into the streaming space. Like, Let's focus on that happening first before we worry about people walking around with fucking Google goggles on. Nah, I hear you. I just, I also, I mean, it's a very good point. I think the other part is, you know, people are immersed in, you know, Snapchat and Instagram stories and things with filters and all of that. And how can you get creative? And, you know, this is just what we've seen. I mean, it's all now in the digital space, which really at this point means it's on our freaking phones. And so the more that people can do in the creative, to be creative, in that space, which might catch someone's attention, not with the sole purpose of driving somebody to stream music, but you know, you see something creative, you see something really interesting, and you know, you hear uh, you know a component of an artist song, and that's what gets you to go to check out the album in the streaming capacity. Uh, I'm all I'm I'm all aboard. I know it just will take a little bit to to actually get us there. Final number five. Flexibility is everything in the modern music marketing campaign. How long is the average music marketing campaign? How is budget apportioned to it? The answer to both questions is it depends, and what it often depends on are events during the campaign itself that can be anticipated and prepared for but never guaranteed. Songs can suddenly spike on one or more streaming services despite not being the intended single. An artist can do something on their own that makes waves of the positive or negative kind. Opportunities can arise for quick fire partnerships or pieces of content that weren't planned for at the outset. Fast decisions and flexible strategies are key to all of this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really long-winded way of saying you know, we've got real-time feedback and the best campaigns are the ones that are able to sort of pivot or at least get, you know, change a bit of their strategy. So if you think that 90% or maybe that's too big of a number, if you think that, you know, 60% of your money should be going into one thing, like let's say you identify a target audience, you know, you, you take 20 bands that, you know, all are different range of sizes and, you know, you think that, pouring your money into them on a particular platform is what's going to lead you the best results. And within a short amount of time, uh, you see that it's not giving you the return that you had hoped. Being able to change that up and get flexible is really the key. And it's really nice because, you know, it can cause a little bit more chaos. Um, but, you know, the old school method was, all right, you knew where to take out your print ads. You knew how to do certain things to get your records on stores and shelves or end caps. If you remember those at, at various record stores. Now it really is a time where you can you can take what you're getting in terms of real time data and reappropriate it, uh, reappropriate your resources to a way that can be more effective than, you know, you uh, originally had anticipated. Yeah, to me, the last sentence kind of says it all. Fast decisions and flexible strategies are key. And I agree because it's like in this day and age, you know, there's so much that there's only so much that you can do in terms of meticulously planning out of like, we're going to put this graphic on this day and then this is going to come out on this day. And like, that's all fine. But the reality is, is that we're, we're living in a more, fast-paced, fast-food, content, digestible world, right? So it's like 
we, we have to like it seems like the majority of stuff even though a, even though there's a plan like the release day is this day like that's locked in and you know there's certain things that are going to be leading up to that a lot of the content is really kind of based on how the flow of the campaign is going and what's working like is a live clip working better than a graphic and are the algorithms eating up you know the the visibility and what you know what click per you know uh, click through rates are we getting and and you know what i mean what advertising is working best i mean there's so much that now that because there's so much access to analytics that we we have to kind of ebb and flow with what is being digested and and engaged with from the fan base so to me yes flexibility is like crucial in uh, the digital age hell yeah that's right and uh that will conclude episode 89 uh thank you for tuning in we will be back here next week in the meantime you can find me on twitter and instagram at blasco1313 we encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com if you have listened thus far much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking the future into your own hands Mike, any final parting thoughts? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. Head to OuterLoopCoaching.com for a comprehensive overview of the courses that we have that cover certain things uh, like how to market a record, how to release a record, uh, any number of those things. And just want to say thanks to all of you out there listening. Uh, continue to give us feedback and don't forget to support those who support us both rockabilia.com with the code PC Jabberjaw for 15% off as well as bandzoogle.com with the code mental for 15% off other places to go tell them Blasco and Mike sent you and we'll see you or hear you again next week thanks everybody peace Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaking microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe to Grind podcast. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. <laughs>